let's go. So if anyone can, Macca can. In this podcast, I interview Steve McMahon, former Everton, Aston Villa, Liverpool, Man City and England International. Steve played and managed in over 1,000 games, 550 plus as a player and 451 as a manager. As a player, Steve won three league titles, two FA Cups, four charity shields and at Liverpool was voted 42nd in 100 players who shook the cop. Steve came second in the PFA Player of the Year awards and notably played for England in the 1988 European Championships and the 1990 Italia World Cup. Steve crossed the divide in our city from Everton to Liverpool, albeit the Aston Villa, the then European champions. As a manager, Steve won promotion as champions with Swindon Town and promotion via the playoffs with Blackpool, along the way winning two Football League trophies. As a manager, Steve averaged an unbeaten ratio of 61.9% and he earned a superb reputation of having, not surprisingly, a great eye for spotting talent, which generated millions for Blackpool and Swindon. Welcome, Steve McMahon. Steve, how are you? I'm okay, Ian. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thanks very much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, Tell me about your early years. That's what I'd like to start first about. You grew up in Halewood? I did, yeah. I'm a proper scouser, as it, as it, as it was, you know. I was born and bred in Liverpool, and um, I wasn't from a wealthy background by any means. You know, my mum and dad struggled, uh, council house. And I suppose it was a way out of, of the, the system, if you, if you like. But I never thought at that, at that time it was just me wanting to play football. I grew up, and I, I just... Like every every youngster does, you just eat, sleep, and and, and dream about playing for for. Uh, at the time, I, it was all about Everton, and I wanted to play for Everton. I wanted to captain Everton, and you know I was lucky enough to fulfil that dream. You, you, your family uh, supported Everton. It, was it your was it your your, your dad? Was it your mum? Was it uncles or aunts? Everyone. Where did the the passion? Everyone. Everyone. All of them. There was. Or none, they were all uh, blues. So, you know, when you grow up in that environment, then it obviously just it's a, it's the mechanism that that you automatically become an Evertonian. And, and I did, and I used to go to ball. So, Sorry, no. So, so you 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 joined Everton as as a youngster. How old were you when you when you you started playing at the club? Well, officially, you you had to be twelve. But I was I was I was joined Everton when I was about ten. Um, and then you okay. go through the youngsters and you go and you get your experience and then you sign schoolboy forms at the age of 14 and then the, the, the follow-on for that is, is an apprenticeship at 16 but I didn't sign an apprenticeship because they said I was going to be too small so okay. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an August birthday so I couldn't even when I left school but sat my exams and I couldn't even sign on the doll because I wasn't old enough. I was still 15 because my birthday wasn't until August. And so... Did, did you did you feel the pressure at that point, Steve, being at Everton and having a family who were, were big Evertonians? Did, did you go back home and, and how did you feel when you had that sort of uh, initial rejection from Everton? What How did you feel in and around your family? What were your, your family saying to you at that time? Well, my family were encouraging me to keep going. I, I, obviously, I, that was me. I had, I had the willpower. And over the years, it, it, you can see that. And 
I just never gave in. And I knew I had the talent. It was just my body strength and, and the size of me at the time dictated. Or they said that, that I wasn't going to be strong enough. And anyway, I, I, I made it my plan to, to prove them wrong. I went to the gym. I went mm. to, to beat myself up. Um, and within four, three, four, I kept going in training. But I, I didn't want a job. I didn't want to go and get paid. I wanted to come in and ask them, could I keep coming in? And he gave me actually 50 pence a day for my bus fare um, rather than pay me. So I kept going in. I kept training with all the, all, all, all the boys. Um, they were getting paid. They were uh, apprentices. But I was, if you like, an apprentice, but not getting paid. <coughs> but I kept going in, kept playing. And, you know, within a three or four-month period, all of a sudden they see me develop. And they called me in. One day, uh, out of blue, and just said, "Listen, because you're working, because you you, you stuck at it, and you you, you pulled up a little bit, we're actually now going to sign you on, on uh, as an apprentice." Mm. So I think mm. from that day, you mentioned it. Sorry, Steve. Going from that day, that that that, that was that grew. I grew in confidence, and I wanted to make it even more uh, known the fact that I could, and I had the uh, the ability mm. and and the strength and. It gave me a lot of confidence moving forward. You, you mentioned being an August uh, birth, and, and nowadays in football, uh, people are more attuned in terms of what they call the relative age effect. And so from the school year, uh, uh, people like your players, like yourself, youngsters, being born in August would, would, would be competing against uh, players within that year who are older, uh, yeah. you know, who perhaps been a... a, a October or November, therefore, or January, February. September, it, was it? Yeah, it's like, it's yeah. strange here because people will think, oh, you're talking nonsense, August, September, doesn't matter. When you're 15 and 16, it matters, and 17. It, mm -hmm. You're almost 11 months, sometimes just under 12 months, behind the same level of, 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 of uh, athlete or, or person that you're up against. At the age of 15, 16, yeah. it's a hell of a lot. There's a massive mm. difference in, in puberty and, and you, you, your body changing and everything else, your adult life. And, and parents mm. and people and the football world has, has woke up and has seen that. And they're, they're, they're like scientists now. So, so they evaluate all the pros and cons of, of your body, your family history and everything else. But at that time, yeah. there was none of this going about. And if you were small at 16, then they thought you're going to be small at 28, and it's not mm -hmm. necessarily that you look at Stevie G when he's growth spurts and stuff. And every everyone listening to this, the families will will sort of say, "Oh yeah, that's right." You know, young John, a young Tony, only developed when he was like 17, 18. You know, and everyone mm -hmm. develops at a different age. And I certainly developed. I kept developing later, and and. That was mm. my development plan. But some, you know, some are men when they're 15 and 16 and they've, they've already developed. Yeah. You look at Norman Whiteside. Mm. Um, he was a man when, it, when, he, when he was 12. And you look at yeah. Wayne Rooney, he was 16 when he played for Everton. He was a man. He, he, and mm. he, he, you knew that he was fully developed and that was what you were going to get out of Wayne Rooney. And so does, everybody is yeah. different, but... It's the ups and downs that you go through and football has evolved. Uh, mm. And they look into that. But I think the top and bottom of it is 
don't if if someone's got ability, don't give up on them because they can always make it. You yeah. can always improve the other yeah. side of the game. But ability, you can't you can't take that away from somebody, and you can't give them that no. that ability. You can give them strength. You can make them better. You can make them powerful. You can make them fitter and stronger. But you can't give them that natural ability of being a footballer. No. Thankfully, you, you persevered. And over that summer, you signed for Everton. So tell me about how that come about. Well, it, it was, I mean, as I say, it was a process. And maybe I badgered them and he thought, oh, this young upstart, we better do something about him. And, and they probably just said, for the sake of it, just let's give it an apprenticeship. Anyway, they did. And then that was up to me then in, a, in an 18-month period to get myself as fit as I possibly could to try and give myself a go of playing in the reserves. Um, because at that time, there was there was, was B-team, A-team, reserves, first team. There was no under, under 18s, yep. under 19s, under 21s, under 23s. They, they had none of all that. It was... On a Saturday, your name would put on a sheet, you're either in the B team or the A team or the reserves or you're in the mm. first team squad. There was four lists that went up onto the board. So you have to start off, obviously, on a B team. And then you look every Friday morning or afternoon when you finish training to see what team you were selected for, B, A. And then you're always looking for that. If I'm not on the B, am I on the A? And then the, the sense of excitement was like, I'm not on the A, where am I? And... and so you're then looking, oh, I'm on the reserve sheet. So and you mix them with them with the big boys when you're on the reserves. And all of a sudden it comes to one day when you're mm-hmm. actually not on the reserve team sheet. And it's, wow, you know, you're getting, you know, and mixing with the big boys. And I was fortunate at the age of 18 to make my debut for Everton at the start of the season as well it was. Um, so it wasn't just thrown in. It wasn't right. just thrown in and say, oh, we'll just give him a, a chance and give him his debut. It was the start of a new season. Uh, Gordon Lee, yeah. Giving my debut at Roker Park, Sunderland, and we it was um, yeah. me and Asa Harford in the centre midfield. It was uh, yes. it was a magnificent yeah. day. Uh, obviously, the result didn't work out, but Sunderland just got promotion, so so they were flying. It was thirty five thousand mm. at Roker Park. Uh, I don't have to tell you the, the atmosphere at the uh, on the day they're back in the league and, and they were at it. Uh, to be honest, you know, on that day I made my debut, I actually think Big yeah. Sam Allardyce made his debut for Sunderland at centre-back. Oh, yeah, right. I think so. Um, and they beat us 3-1. And I got carried off my ankle injury. Um, and I thought, that's, that's scooping right. my sort of progress. It didn't. I went straight to the hospital and I mm. stayed overnight. And in fact, I stayed in for a couple of days. The swelling went down. And then we had a, I managed to come out because I was so determined to, to play. I didn't want to lose my place after playing one game. And I managed to get through right. training on a Tuesday morning. And at that time, they're going, you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm fine, fine, no problem. Strapped up. And I ended up playing against Leicester on a Tuesday, uh, Leicester City. We won 1 0 at Goodison. And I managed to get through it. And that right. didn't that give me another few days for recovery on my ankle. And I never looked back after that. I just kept getting better and better and better. You mentioned about your, your, your debut for Everton being away at Sunderland. 
something in the back of my mind. It was it the Roker Roker Roar? Roar? Yeah. Was it was it with the oh passion? Yeah. Passionate beyond yeah. belief. Um, you, you know, you go to Northeast and you play at Newcastle, you play at Sunderland, um, and even even Middlesbrough. You know, Ayrson Park was a was a place to behold as well at the time. Um, so mm. yeah, the Roker Roar. Uh, I mean, unless you've played in it, you you wouldn't know. You know. No, and at eighteen, uh, is it a mixture? Your family being Evertonians are obviously massively proud, and I would imagine there were there were parties and celebrations. But at eighteen, is it a mixture of 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 sort of youth in terms of being elated and and or, or you're walking into a changing room with with a lot of strong and experienced and successful players around you? Is it intimidating, or or at eighteen do you? You rise above that because of your youth, and, and does it not impact you well, as much? It, it certainly didn't me. It actually made me stronger, you know. And and I think it's it's different characters uh, react to different situations. Once I got my taste of first team football, I, I, I didn't want anything else, and I was never gonna I, I was never gonna sort of um, not work hard enough for me to sustain it. Sustaining mm. being in the first team is the hardest thing you can do. Making your debut is easier than. Mm. sustaining your, your, your first team place or being in the squad. And I just took it as a challenge every mm. day when I went into the into training. I took it as a challenge and I wanted to be uh, the best in training. I wanted. It doesn't matter whether I was playing with Bob Latchford, Ace at Arthur, McLeans, Martin Dobson, Trevor Ross, whoever it was. It didn't, it, the names didn't bother me. I respected them all 100%, but I wanted to, I wanted to be mm. better than them. Yeah, and you played a hundred games for Everton. People, people um, tend to forget that uh, because they they look at me and say, "Oh, I'm a, I was a Liverpool player, and that, that's where they judge me on my Liverpool career." I suppose. Well, quite right because mm-hmm. that's where I won, obviously, my, my trophies and stuff, and became uh, an international footballer. But Everton was my background. Everton was my upbringing. Everton was the first club uh, that I was at. Everton was was part of my life and it still is. You know, you can't just chuck it away. And mm. and to become the youngest ever captain at that time um, was magnificent. So that was another feather in my cap. That I could say, you know, I actually captained my hometown club. That the, I played a hundred games, and mm. and all them things I, I I look back on now and go, you know, very proud, very proud to have done that, and very proud to have said. I, I mm. played for Everton not four and five times or or a handful of games. A hundred games is quite a significant chunk of games to play for a fantastic football club. Yeah, and, and you mentioned you you become captain at, at a young age in Everton. When, when you're young and you're captain, so that the listeners can understand, and, and you're walking out on the pitch, are you thinking at that point, I, I need to, to be vocal or, or is it as a youngster you're thinking I'm going to go and I'm going to lead by example I'm just going to work hard and do my natural game or, or are you feeling the pressure to be more vocal because you're wearing the captain's oh, I armband I don't think it affected me I mean vocal or, or my game wise now lots of players when, when you're given the armband no. do, it does affect them because they lose sense of what they should be doing it's some people it helps them. Mm. Some some people it makes them worse. You, you know, it, it helped me. It gave me a tremendous boost and, and pride 
and I didn't want to let anybody down because mm-hmm. it means so much to you. And, and that's no. some people can't, the weight of being a captain, they can't handle it and it puts them off their own individual game. That wasn't the way for me. It actually made, spared me on more no. if it could, if any could spare me on more. But it, mm-hmm. it made me proud and, and, and spared me on. So, so you're making your debut for Everton. Would it be fair to say that that you you class that as 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 big an achievement as winning some of your trophies at I, Liverpool? I, I never look back as such. You know, it's only like when when I do things like this, the podcast, and when you do Zoom calls, and when you do etc. etc. Mm. People mention it um, because it's like when you win a which is your best trophy, and it's always your last one because you never know when you're going to win the next one. <laughs> So, although it was magnificent no. making my debut, it's a chapter. It's a chapter in your life that you, you look back on and go, "Yeah, I'm glad I did that." At the time, it's the best thing you could ever do. At the time, and then the next thing comes mm-hmm. along, and you sign, and mm-hmm. you play in European football. That's the next best thing. And then you, you then you, you play for Liverpool. That's the next best. And then you win the FA Cup. That's the next best thing. So everything at a stage in life becomes mm-hmm. the next best thing. So you, you've got to just look back and mm-hmm. take it, take it, your, your life and take your footballing career yeah. in in bits because most footballers travel a little bit and do it in stages rather than just at one football club. Yeah. It, it must have been a wrench leaving Everton to, to go to Aston Villa. Uh, how did the move well, yeah, come about? It, I won't tell a lie. It hurt me. It hurt me a lot to, to leave. Um, but let's make it straight. It was my decision. Um, how Kendall, my mm-hmm. contract was up. I, I signed a three-year contract and my contract was coming to an end when I signed a three-year contract at 18. Um, and I was on that same contract for three years while I was still a first-team member plus I was captain. And I was made a derogative offer of my yeah. contract. Um which I I, uh, I declined, obviously, um, because it was just uh, mm. it was embarrassing. I thought it was um, it, it wasn't good enough for what I deserved. And there's another story in there about youngsters and the homegrown mm. players maybe get taken for granted because they think they're going to sign and they'll sign anyway for nothing. That wasn't the case. But I knew my, my ability, yeah. I knew my value, I knew my worth, and I was strong enough to say to Howard, "No, thank you." Uh, freedom of contract uh, see you later and Aston Villa at the time I just won the European Cup and they got in touch because you could yeah. because of freedom of contract and, and I spoke to them they offered me a fantastic deal and then uh, I got a call from Liverpool they they said they'd like to speak to me and it was wow at the time it was like shock that me Everton captain mm-hmm. I'm leaving Everton and actually, I could be signing for Liverpool. They want me to sign for Liverpool. Uh, who were, I mean, the major fire, firepower in, in European football at the time. And it was amazing mm-hmm. side that they had. So I did go over. I went over to Anfield with my dad. And we were in the boardroom and I spoke to Bob Paisley and uh, Peter Robinson. And eventually, I said, in fact, it, it, their words were, what, what Villa offered you to contract-wise? And I said, X, Y, and Z. 
And he said, well, we'll double whatever they've offered you, X, Y, and Z. We'll double it. Don't worry about it. The money's not the problem. And again, it was a wow. It was one of them. And Villa were giving me a good contract. And I went back and I thought, is this about money? No, it wasn't about money. It was about my career, about me moving forward to see where I could go. I don't think moving from Everton to Liverpool, given the circumstances, was the right thing for me professionally. And I always say that to the youngsters now, do it for the right reasons. Mm. Don't do it for the wrong reasons. If you're doing it for money alone, then it's for the wrong reasons. And and that's what I'll always say to anybody. If you're doing it, then yeah, if you get money, fine. But make sure at the back of your mind that you're doing it for all the right reasons as well, for your family, for you personally. Uh, and and that's the way I looked at it. And I, 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 I had to reject Liverpool's offer, kindly reject. And I always remember it. And, and mm. Bob Paisley said, "Okay, so we we appreciate you, your, your honesty, uh, but this won't be the end of it because we'll still be looking out for you." And what what did you feel at that point? Because you go to the interview at Liverpool, what were the the right reasons? What was the what was what was gnawing away at you? What made you reject the Liverpool offer being, to go to Villa? From the background of Everton and and, and the, the the peer pressure. That yeah. I would have had. It was nothing to do with would I get in the team. Nothing to do with mm. that at all. Uh, I, I was yeah because I think Sunes went to Sampdoria then, and I think they were looking for his replacement, and they identified me as Sunes's replacement. So mm. I wasn't concerned about about not getting a starting position because that wasn't the case. It was just the right move for me no. and, and my family, and I, I was starting a new family then with. with uh, I was about to get married and start a family and mm. et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think that would have been the right move for my footballing career at that so, time. Yeah. So it was out of respect to your roots and to your family course, and to, yeah, you and to your values. But, but in hindsight, it was the right decision. As history history will, 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 go, will go, mm. go through a little bit, but history will tell you that the right decision was made. Mm-hmm. And so you moved to Aston Villa, which it had a number of scousers in the well, in the yeah, team. Yeah, they had uh, Peter Wood, Dennis Mortimer, uh, Morley. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I remember, and, and then they had some youngsters: Gary Shaw, Gordon Cowens, Nigel Spinkingall, Colin Gibson, who went to Manchester United in the end. And they were by myself. They were by mm-hmm. they bought Paul Rideout. Who we were playing for England under in the 19s, I think, at the time. So they were buying real, real top potential. Added to the added to the experienced players in Morton, mm-hmm. Des Bremner, Ken McNaught, yeah, and then the goalkeeper Spinksy, and it was yeah. such a such a great squad. Gary Shaw, you know, and it was like, yeah, why not? You know, I, I wasn't. It's not as if I was going to mm-hmm. uh, a lower league club. It was going to the to the to, to the European champions. No, and uh, with a great history and pedigree. So, and let me tell you, I enjoyed my time, <coughs> regardless of what people. Did. I was, I signed a four-year contract, and I only did eighteen months, but for every minute, I enjoyed it. It was a magnificent experience. It really was. So, and you, mm. as I say, I never looked back too far, and mm. I always think I made a decision, and, and you, no. you have to move on. Mm. And and so could you, so you go to Aston Villa, 
you, you do well at Villa yeah. as well. You were voted the uh, Player of the Year. Uh, towards the end of that 18 months, you, what happened? How, how did the Liverpool move well, come back it, on the table, a, so to speak? It was a bit of a shock. All, all of a sudden, there's, there's, you wake up one morning, there's, there's some, you know what the newspapers are like in the media, that, that a few clubs were interested yeah. in Steve McMahon and he could be leaving it, and that was news to me. Um, so Because, you know... I know now mm. what happens is people in the background, it might be chairmans, it might be agents, it might be two clubs. And a, a little rumour gets out and people uh, accidentally on purpose leak something out to, to see what reactions people get. And whether I, I took no notice of it anyway. And until one day I get a call and um, it, it was a shock call asking me, would I like to... Um, join Liverpool Football Club and at, the, at, at first I thought it was someone taking a mickey I thought it was one of my friends or, or whoever taking taking a mickey out but um, it turned out to be a genuine call and I had four years a ton of four year mm. contract I was 18 months into it so without naming names I suppose I, I, I'm, I'm a loyal guy when it comes to, to, to contracts and, and doing whatever I need to do and I had to make a decision and I didn't know how to do it so and I didn't want to let Villa down because I was enjoying it mm. and the fans and everybody else and I asked how do you do it and it, was, it was so funny and, and awkward and he just said blame your wife <laughs> and I just I went, <laughs> for goodness sake you know blame your what, what, what's she done now so it's and yeah. the, the the person said, "No, just say she's homesick. Just say she's not happy. Uh, she's homesick." I said, "I only live an hour or so away. Um, I, I'm not uh, across the other side of the world. You know what I mean?" And she said, "No, no, just say that she uh, yeah. she misses the family and everything else, and you need to get back. And she's crying when you come home from training and stuff. So you've got to do what's best for you." And it might affect your performances and so on and so forth. Give it all, all, the, all the usual jargon that you give. And I said, you sure it'll work? He said, yeah, trust me. You'll have sympathy, yeah. empathy, and, and they will they will just try it. Anyway, it goes in. I sit them down. And lo and behold, they were, they were sympathetic and they were, they had feelings to say, we understand. And we know that if you, if you need to get back and you're not going to be happy in performance to, to, 100% because of your wife is upset then you will look at it yeah you know leave it with us and I said thank you very much I appreciate it no problem so uh, I goes out the office the manager and the chairman and and then I goes to to, 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 to Liverpool guys and say yeah I've done it no problem you've, you've understood so yeah thanks very much for that information thanks for uh, for that um, advice and it looks as though yeah now it's up to you guys to to get on with it, your side. I've done all I can. Down to you, over to you. No problem. Yep. Rub my hands. I'm, I'm off. I'm, I'm ready in my mind. I'm, I'm going. I'm going back to, to, to Merseyside. I'm going back to Liverpool. Next thing you know, I'll get a call. I'm out, out on the training ground and I see a big Rolls Royce coming down the driveway and it's Doug Ellis, deadly Doug, and he never comes down the, the, the training ground and he's in these big Rolls Royce and he comes <laughs> and I said, okay, something's going on here. It doesn't take a rocket science to work out something's going on. So, comes down, 
and then next thing I get shelved, Macca <laughs> in. So, oh, oh, there we go, all done and dusted. So it goes in, uh, I sit down, and she's right, uh, Macca, you, you, um, I think you've, you've got what you wanted. We've sorted the deal out for you. Get your boots, get your kit, get all your belongings and stuff. You've got your medical at Old Trafford at one o'clock. I said, pardon? I, I, I actually, <laughs> it must have, in my excitement, I, I, I missed the Anfield bit. And, and he said, I said, Old Trafford? He said, yeah, big run action. Uh, we've agreed a fee. Uh, Alan Brazil is coming here. You're going to, to, to Man United. There's a, a few quid involved. Get yourself sorted. You wanted to go back to the Northwest because you were homesick. You've got your ideal opportunity. And they called me bluff and I'm shocked and stunned. And the only thing I could say is I don't want to, I don't want to go to Manchester United. Mm. I want to go further northwest. <laughs> Which at the time it was, <laughs> it was like, and I wondered why they threw me out of the office. It was like just embarrassing. It was like out, get out. Then he knew I obviously I'd been in touch with Liverpool, uh, and the deal was was imminent. Um, mm. And I got out, and he, for, for a week or so, I was training with the kids. Uh, as you do, and that day and age, you just bank it with the kids and wait till wait, wait for someone yeah. to come. So yeah. I got back onto the the powers that be at Liverpool straight away. I said, get it done because mm. I've had enough. I've already just rejected Manchester United, um, and you need to get your act together because I've now put my yeah. my career on the line, and I need you to sort it. Lo and behold, within a few days, I'm mm. I'm, uh, I'm a Liverpool player. Mm. I've signed, sealed, and delivered. So you're in a great position because you've got Manchester United who've come in for you and you've got Liverpool who have been chasing you for some time. How did you, you, your family then feel? Because we've obviously moved on 18 months from from, from what had happened. Were they more uh, uh, relaxed about you joining yeah. Liverpool and trying to understand the dynamics or or was it still, yeah. or was it still good God, what Steve, you're you joining Liverpool? What, what, what was the doing? reaction? You know. They thought that was a chapter that had gone. Yeah. You know, you've rejected yeah. Liverpool in the first place. Thank, thank you, and now move on. But no, it came back, and mm. and no, it was, it was part of the family weren't mm. particularly happy at all because once a blue, always a blue, I suppose, and once a red, always a red. And that's the way life is, apart from mm. when it's your life and when mm. it's your, your, your upbringing. Um, I had to make the right decisions for me, not, yeah. not, not for the... My family as yep. such in terms of mums, dads, uncles, aunties, whatever, brothers, sisters. I had to make it for me personally. And who wouldn't if you look at a, at a neutral point mm. and say, who would not want to join the champions of Europe, the ones who Liverpool who win the league year in, year out, who, who are always um, challenging for titles and European Cups and got their history the way it is. Now, that's the way you look at it, not as an mm. Evertonian through 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 their glasses, through yeah. my glasses as a, as a yeah. human being yeah. and as a footballer who wants to get on mm. and do the best I can and mm. play at the highest level that mm. I possibly could. That's why I made that decision. Mm. And of course, yeah. Yeah. And of course, you'd shown respect to, to Everton uh, by initially turning Liverpool down to go to Villa. So, so Kenny Daglish, uh, I, I'm true in saying it, you were his first signing. Uh, your debut for Liverpool yes. was away at Oxford. Uh, and I think you famously referred to, to that particular oh, brilliant. Uh, brilliant, game honestly. as the last shot. Because I was what, what a, happened? a confident uh, footballer, confident person. 
and you travel down on a Friday, obviously, and, and you're coaching, so you're all getting you're all together. I've, I've done a, a week or two training with the players and everything else. Now, I'm, I'm on a bus. We go down, we go to Oxford, we, we settle into the hotel. And Liverpool always had a room just for the players, or all the players. And we always used to eat at six o'clock or religiously six o'clock, wherever we went, and then bed and, and prepare yourself. So he goes in to the hotel, unpacks, goes down to the dining room, and it's a big round table, and everyone's sitting around it, talking. And Sammy Lee being Sammy Lee, he, he, he's a top, top guy, Sammy. Lovely, lovely person. He, in his little scousy accent, went, this is like the last supper, this. And I just turned around straight away and said, well, it is for some years. And it was my, fir- it was my first trip. And I didn't even know I was making my debut because Kenny always named the team an hour or so before kickoff. Lo and behold, Sammy says, last supper, I say, yeah, this for some years, right. as, a, as a joke and throwaway line. Comes the next day, two o'clock, dressing room, Kenny mm-hmm. Dagway, he's named the team. Steve McMahon, you're playing. Sammy Lee, you're dropping. It was like, and I, I didn't know that was going to happen. And it was just, <laughs> and Sammy looked and started laughing at me. And we, yeah. had a, we had a bit of fun together, me and Sammy, saying, you know what, that was uncanny, that. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm sorry, mate, but, you know, I didn't know mm-hmm. I was playing and I didn't mean it to be. He said, no, he didn't. I knew it, I knew it wasn't just the, just the way it was. And I remember the game as well because it was chaotic. Mm-hmm. It was we drew two two yeah. against Oxford, and I think Aldo played and Ray Alton played and big Billy Whitehurst. Okay, and it was an own goal from Alan Kennedy. Um, right, there's chaos. I think Rushy got carried off. I think he had concussion. Ronnie Whelan got carried off. He had stitches in his head. Uh, Bruce Grubble comes running out. Alan Kennedy lobs him own goal, two two. Made a going on in the dressing room. What's going on here? What, what, what kind of a club have we come to here? <laughs> it was like chaos. And if memory serves me right, it was Alan Kennedy's <laughs> my debut. And Alan Kennedy and Phil Neal's last league game for for Liverpool Football Club. So there was a lot. It was a changing of the guards right. as well. So, so when I said game. this, it is for some. Years. The last supper always sticks in my mind because when I say it is for some years, it was it was. <laughs> For a lot of them, wasn't yeah, it? Was it was for some of them? Yes, it actually was. was. Yeah. Hmm. You you've got a record as saying that derby games are special, and when you listen and you speak with fans, for whether it be Rangers or Celtic or Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Everton, or teams all over the world, to fans, derby games are that special date and day on the calendar in any given season. Your third game, I think, for Liverpool was against your former club, Everton. And as far as I understand it, it was an eventful day on and off the pitch, wasn't it? In terms of your impact in that particular game. And then yeah, what yeah. happened to yeah. your mean, car yeah, the after the game, if I remember rightly? I was sick of getting beaten at the Derby game because I was playing for Everton. And, and it, 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 I, I was actually favourite to win, <laughs> win a game for the first time in the Derby match. Um, and yes, it was my third game in. I, I, I still hadn't unpacked my suitcase in the hotels because it was that I was that young into it. And talk about hitting the ground running as a Liverpool. The Blue Noses obviously uh, hated me, and a lot of them still do. The kids don't even know who I am and still give me abuse. 
and they don't even know who I am. So that's the nature of the beast. And then Saul <laughs> makes my debut for uh, me, me Derby debut for uh, Liverpool. I've got a some hostile to say the least. And I'm getting pelters from everyone. Um, and long story short, I scores the third goal. Everton got back into the game. We were 3-0 up and I scored the third goal. He got back in. It ended up 3-2. So I actually ended up scoring the winning goal. Well, what turned out to be the winning goal in a derby match at Goodison. And you can, you've set it up lovely with, the, mm-hmm. with, the, with this podcast because it's, it's chronologically how it went and the bitterness and, and the, 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 how I left Everton and, and then coming back. And to score the winning goal was still amazing and, and it was that fresh that I parked outside the ground because my my, uh, my sister-in-law now, Nikki Clinton, who worked at Everton and she, they, they had a family house or, or the dad had yep. an Everton house that was at the back of the park and she said, you can, you can park your car here and you can get a quick getaway after the game rather than go back to the ground. I said, okay, fine, so I parked the car. We win 3-2, I scored a winning goal. And I'm getting a quick exit. Just round the corner, the park end, I go to get my car out. I thought I made a mistake. It was where I parked it. And I'm looking around, and there's a car. And I'm not kidding you, it was in bits. It was like a jigsaw puzzle. It was it was ridiculous. It was just smashed to pieces. <laughs> anyway, I laughed it off and said, OK, let's go. Went straight to the pub, me and my father-in-law. Uh, got blitzed. Um, and then you realise the next day I owned my car you know so I've got to do something about it so I thought okay right first thing I do I ring Aston Villa Steve Stride the secretary what's up I said nothing really I said I think I've had the car too long now I said you need to come and pick your car up you know what do you mean I said, well, it's your car, so I think you need to... It's, it's outside the park end, outside Goodison. It's outside. I said, well, you might need to bring a shovel and a big bin. And he just he went silent. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I think there's been vandalised. And I said, but thanks, Steve, anyway. I'll have to go. Um, good luck in the future. I'll see you soon. I put the phone down. I've never spoke to him since. Never spoke to them since. And lo and behold, Everton thought, or whoever, the hooligans <laughs> and the vandalism, they thought they were, they were smart trashing my car. Actually, they trashed Aston Villa's car. Yeah. Hmm. Aston Villa's car. Splendid. You, 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 you've gone on record as saying yes. that there's only one double in football, the league and the FA Cup. What well, do you recall about the 85-86 season? And Everton. And Everton assembled a, a fantastic squad of players then in 85 uh, and it was real rivalry proper you know head to head stuff and, and uh, first and second in the leagues and every game was, was different and then Everton had the upper hand for, for much of that season until the final stages and I think it was Oxford away when, when and we played Leicester away we beat Leicester Everton got beat by Oxford and it swung on its head that night and all of a sudden, we had momentum going in, in into the final few games. And I remember this, it didn't end particularly well for me in terms of injury. I played all season. And then we, we, we play uh, Southampton no. in the semi-finals of the FA Cup. 
at White Hart Lane. Uh, Mark Wright played uh, for Southampton at the time. And difficult game. But we win 1-0, but I've, I've, I've ripped my hamstring. So I've torn my hamstring, um, which was, was quite nasty. And I, I, I'm off the pitch in the semi-finals. Mm. We win the game 1-0, we're at Wembley. And Everton win their semi-final and it's Everton Liverpool Cup final. So from that day, I've got five weeks, I think, to get myself, mm. if I can, get myself fit, to try and at least be in contention. It was almost impossible task for me to do so. So anyway... Uh, my healing process was good. I'm coming on okay. The week building up to the cup final, I've got three days and I'm doing, starting to run, do some running. I haven't joined in yet with the players. There's only three or four days left before the cup final takes place. And yet I'm part of the squad. I'm part of the training sessions for three days. And I haven't done nothing for five weeks or so. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the squad's name for the for the uh, the the cup final, I'm in it, the, a squad of 16 or 18 or whatever it is, we all travel down. And if you remember 86, there's only, there's last time, there's only one substitute in a cup final. Um, which is ridiculous to think about now when, when, when the clamour for all kinds mm. of substitutes now and everything else. But that was the last time there's only yeah. one allowed. And fortunately enough for me, because people say, oh, you didn't play enough. You know what? I was lucky to be on the bus. I was lucky to be on the bench. And that's how I felt. And I took that because only the 12 got the medals. So yeah. I, I felt part of the running because I played in every game mm. anyway. So it was only through injury that I was on that bench. It wasn't through a lack of, yeah. oh, no, you were preferred, or Kev McDonald or whatever was preferred to you. It was just circumstances. And I was so proud and, mm. and uh, honoured to be sub, the only sub. So I took it as a big plus for me, not not a big minus. Mm. That, that was I was involved in in, in, in the team and I build up and I was on yeah. the bench and and then we, we obviously history tells you the rest is history three two fantastic uh, double and it was mm-hmm. it was amazing in my first season to to go play for Liverpool against Everton in the cup final and and win the league win the double Liverpool had never won a double before they won everything else but they hadn't won a double and for me to do that in the first season I thought well. I've justified uh, what what uh, mm. what Kenny uh, his faith he put in me. Yeah, wow. And you go from the heights to to as invariably the case in people's lives, whether it's football or, or not football. But you face the low points of the Wimbledon loss in the FA Cup final, and losing the league yeah. to Arsenal, where Arsenal played at Anfield. But nothing compares to the tragic and profound events of Hillsborough which claimed the lives of 96 fans and with many hundreds of fans injured uh, both physically and, and psychologically and, and was truly devastating for, for, for football and for our city. Looking back <coughs> on, on that dreadful event... It's always how, difficult. I don't, what are your thoughts only, today? As I say, with yourself and, and at certain times that I've, I've opened up about it spoke about Hillsborough and it's difficult to, to talk about uh, for obvious reasons but it happened and you can't you can't close it out and you can't say it didn't happen it, it did happen um, and, and, and you've got to eventually come out and talk about mm. it and, and the families will, will understand that uh, we were all in it together it was, it was such an emotional period of time and 
it was so sad to see families and friends and people on Merseyside. And again, not just Liverpool supporters, by the way, Everton supporters as well were magnificent in this. The people of Merseyside truly come together. Mm. It was just one of them, one of them awful, awful occasions that you don't want to ever, ever be involved in again. And it, it, I, see, I, I can see myself sitting in the restaurant. I see it. I see us all sitting there and we were locked in for hours and hours and hours. And the news was filtering through every half hour, every hour. There's more dead, there's more. The count was going up. And it was just getting to a stage where this is just absolutely ridiculous. And it, it, the aftermath was even worse, you know, the funerals. And and it, 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 I couldn't put it into words. And especially, not just me, families, wives were involved. And we met all all. All the, uh, all the parents and families, of all the families between us all, between the club and players. And it was quite harrowing to, 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 to go into the stories when a 16-year-old or 15-year-old boy or girl had supported and you're going into the house and they've got a picture of you on the wall that they went to the games to watch you play. And there's a picture of me going, and you were their idol. And, and I was like, oh, you know, it's like doesn't bear thinking about, and it, it it's only a game of football, and I say that it's only a game of football. Mm-hmm. And at the time, everyone was saying it shouldn't be the cup finals should should shouldn't be played. Uh, <coughs> I wasn't of that opinion. I would have gone along with whatever the powers that be decided, but I wanted to play that for the people for the '96 because uh, they would have wanted it. I'm sure. Um, and the families agreed. Um, so we ended up playing that game mm. against Everton again, which is so apt and, and brilliant it was, uh, in, in a sad way, but brilliant way as well, that it was Everton, Liverpool, ethical final, Wembley, uh, an audience to die for worldwide, and 100,000 people in the stadium. I've set the picture up there, and it, the, the, game, the game didn't disappoint neither. And, and we won 3-2. Uh, again, we pick up the FA Cup no. and we picked that FA Cup knowing that that was the FA Cup for the Hillsborough, for the families, for the for the, for 90, the 96. And that was the, the special part about it was it was for them. It was, And it's always be remembered for, for that. Um, everyone remembers 89 for the Arsenal game. I remember 89 mm. for the Hillsborough and for the Hillsborough FA Cup. That's what mm. I remember 89 for. Mm. Yep. Thanks no for, for sharing your your sort of innermost thoughts on that, Steve. I know it's it's, it's difficult. Did shock Kenny Daglish's resignation take you by surprise uh, and the players? And very very shocked. Nobody seen it coming. Mm. The pressure, obviously. I was actually lying in the hospital bed when I heard it. I, I'd got injured against Everton. It's funny how Everton keeps dropping up in this, doesn't it? On, on it does, and we play the FA Cup mm. game. Around field against Everton, <laughs> I goes into the crunching tackle and sadly I got injured. And, and I goes and I'm having the operation the next day or whatever it is. You know, I wakes up to mm. the news that Kerry Dalglish has, has resigned as 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 Liverpool manager, and I was devastated not just because the injury, uh, because obviously Kenny was a, a magnificent manager and good friends. Mm. 
And I, if, if uh, I mean, Ob Daglish resigns, Graeme Souness is appointed. I think it's fair in saying or right in saying that just before Graham was appointed, you'd signed a new five-year contract at Liverpool. So I think it was some surprise to, to Liverpool fans that Absolutely. you found it, yourself it, leaving Liverpool to join to Man City. It was six years, yeah. I a new six-year contract because I, my, contract, my first contract was coming to an end and I was in negotiations to sign my contract under Kenny and Peter Robinson. And the negotiations... Again, where, where that, there was a few hiccups along the way and I almost left to go to Sampdoria. Uh, but I didn't. Funnily enough, that would have followed Souness again, wouldn't it? Because he was at Liverpool Sampdoria and that, that's the way, that's the path they wanted me to go down as well. But I didn't. <laughs> I negotiated and all of a sudden Liverpool came back, offered me what I wanted, a six-year deal, which was secure in my career for Liverpool. Uh, and that was a great day for me as well. But then, yeah. obviously, things happened. That's why footballer, you never know what you're going to get. And mm. yes, I, I get injured. Yes, Kenny leaves. Yes, Graeme Sinus comes in. And that's when the wind of change, I felt it. I could. I, it was clear to me. I, he made me captain and I, I was captain. And I could see the changes in training methods and the changing of the guard. And, and not just tweaking, I'm talking about wholesale changes right throughout the club. And which was like a whirlwind to people in and around the place. Mm. Um, so he, that was his way. That's why he wanted to do it. He's the manager. He, he gets the backing of the club to do so, and so be it. But uh, it, yeah. I wasn't particularly happy, yeah. and eventually uh, um, I like to, to go to work and be happy, and, and my job was to play football and be happy. And once you get to that stage, you've got to reevaluate that I'm not happy and no longer happy going to work. Yeah. And I was in a good position where I could reevaluate and and my decision was mm. if I'm not happy, I'm not going to work and, and, and I want to I'd rather move on. So I went to see Graham uh, and I, 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 I knocked on his door and I goes in, he's down. What's the I said, well, you know, things are changing, you know, it, I'm not particularly happy this month's time. And I would you know when you look back at it and you I would have hoped and maybe there was something there saying all I need from you, Graham, is to say you go nowhere, you're staying, and we're gonna we're gonna build a new team. We're gonna do this, 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 this. And when I said I, I, I'm not mm. happy, I, I, I'm thinking of leaving. He just said okay. He didn't he didn't once say to me why? What's the problem? Can we do something? Where mm. we go? And when that initial conversation came back, okay, then it left me no choice. It left me no decision. I was backed into that corner whereby there was no no negotiations. It was a case of, okay, mm. put your transfer request in. Now everyone says about soon as let me go. It, it, no, it didn't. It was a, it was an agreement that I went mm. to him and said, and could have been passed up probably, probably I don't know, yeah. but I didn't get that opportunity because it was okay. And mm. no. It seemed like to me it, it's a, it was a pride thing, perhaps, from Graham. And I'm sure I'm right in saying that Graham had gone on yeah, record and without mentioning players' names, he'd inferred that I've, looking yeah, back. I agree. I've got a lot of Yeah, and, and perhaps things could have been Just done a lot on that, sort on of that, differently. You, you went uh, as a player. 
and as a yeah. person, he, 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 yeah. and I get on well with him now. I've seen him plenty of times, and he, he's a superb person. He is. He's he's he's, he's a top bloke, and it is fair to say that he yeah. did make mistakes. He knows he made mistakes. Mm-hmm. If he had his time over again, he would have changed a few things, and and all credit to him for for saying that. Uh, but it was a chapter in my life that, that obviously yeah. that I won't forget, and, and neither will Greg. Yeah. No, no, oh, and of course we we all make mistakes and, and we live and we learn from them. You, you're moving on uh, 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 because I think we've got seven or eight minutes left of, of the podcast, and I could truly talk to you if time allowed all day, yeah. Steve. In terms of your career, uh, you, you go to work in in, in Singapore and Malaysia uh, for the SPN and Fox International in on the the, the TV circuit. You've come back to the UK. Uh, and uh, you, you know you've been keeping yourself busy with a, a number of projects, but given where we are now, and given that in every sense of the word, you're a winner. Oh, you know, and you you've know been what? a winner. I, I don't know. A lot of people. Don't what would you like been to away do for, for, for that longer? When I go out and tell people, I've only been back a couple of years or so. And when I t- tell people I've been away for 15 years, do you think I've been in jail? I'm a scouser, and I say I've been away for 15 years. Automatically, you think you've been in jail. <laughs> so I have to explain myself that, that no, I went, actually went away. And and I was coaching Perth Glory. That just, I don't want to. I know there's not long left, um, but but it's a magnificent experience. I, I, I worked for TV doing all the Premier League, all over Asia. The viewing figures are just on a different planet, by the way. It's just ridiculous, and so and then I moved to, to Malaysia. I, I did coaching. I had my own academies in India. Yeah. Delhi uh, and in Singapore and Malaysia uh, I did a couple of reality TV programs and blah 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 so it wasn't just going out to Asia it's opened my eyes to a lot of things and life and and if I've got any advice to youngsters especially or people travel go and see the world see what it's all about you can always come back which is what I've done now so I'm back in in, in, in this part of the world and I'm glad to be back for for, uh, a number of reasons and I don't know what I'm doing. LFC TV, I'm doing uh, appearances for Liverpool uh, at home, or I was until the shutdown. And I'm looking for ventures. I'm looking to to, to acquire uh, a restaurant, uh, which will be announced. Yeah, so it'll be. Mm. I'm looking to, to, to do that very shortly, um, mm. which is, it won't be a secret soon because I'm signing up on it, uh, which is a new venture for, for, for my missus as well to, to get it. Stuck into, yeah, and it gives me something to something to do as well. And you know, it life moves on. As I say, I've always said I'm optimistic. I don't know what's around the corner, um, and and I think it's. it's I don't know whether it is common knowledge, but I did a, a mental health thing the other day, and then because uh, I was diagnosed with cancer in uh, in December, as you well know, Ian, and I know you did probably didn't want to talk about it, but. You know, yeah. you, you have to at times, and it will get out. And I've done a couple yeah. of bits and pieces, but not no. on, a, on a on a major extent like this. You know, but um, yeah, when you diagnosed with cancer in December, and then I have the operation, the tumor removed in January this year, and then the lockdown comes, uh, which doesn't didn't help me because being locked down with with the with the cancer and going through the. the, the Rehab and, and, and that goes with it, which I'm still I'm going through. Um, mm. It's been very difficult, 
for everybody, family and, and myself, obviously. And I'm on, a, I'm well on the road to recovery. Uh, so that's without me thinking too far ahead. I can't really, but I think of now. Think about next steps and just reevaluate every every year or so. Uh, uh, you know, you got to reevaluate your situation, and that's what I'm actually in the process of doing. Is is looking at my life again, change. So what do we need to do? What what's the next step? Mm-hmm. And so on and so forth. So that's where I'm at at this moment, Ian and and. and Onwards and upwards, I suppose, and I, I, I just got to move on, you know. Mm. And that's the mindset of a winner, Steve, yeah. isn't it? The fact that you reevaluate and you're positive, you're pushing on. <laughs> oh, I think, as we said at the beginning Love of it. the talk, if anyone can, Maka can. Yeah. Steve, hey, top man. Thank it's, you, it's been a privilege brilliant. talking with you. I wish you and the family. Take care, All mate. the best. Bye-bye. God bless.